Well, good morning. It is good to be with you today. Jesus Christ, my only hope. Isn't that good? I mean, Jesus Christ, it's our only hope. I mean, this world has placed a lot of hope in, in things that are secondary for our survival, but Jesus Christ is the only hope for our soul. And what a great reminder as we sing those songs today uh, of anchors that will hold us in all seasons of life. Jesus is that anchor. And God is not far away. That's something that I think we need to remember in our lives as we walk through different challenges. God is not far away. Jesus shows us God walks close. God desires to be close to you. He's not just there when you go through a crisis. He's not just there when it's like, oh man, I've been doing it my own way and now I need him. He's always there. He's always willing. And yes, he'll, he'll reach out in the midst of your crisis. He'll be close in the midst of your crisis. But why wait until then? <laughs> why wait to experience the goodness, the closeness, the love of God when you're in the midst of crisis? Why not experience that all the time? And that's what Jesus is, a Savior that comes to live in our lives, live in our hearts, and change us every day, to be with us every day. And that's why we worship today, so I am glad that you are with us. Thank you for those of you who are in the room. Thank you for worshiping with us today in person. Thank you for those in our online family today. You are deeply loved, we appreciate you, and we are grateful that you have taken the time and the discipline to be able to say, drawing close to Jesus in worship matters. So taking the time to participate, not only in the singing portion of worship, but preparing your hearts right now even to dive into the Word of God, the Bible with us, that's important. So thank you for taking the time. Uh, let me address the elephant in the room very quickly, okay? And then I want to move to some really great news. Um, yes, we are in Orleans Parish, and so we received um, some advisories over the last few days and even over this last week, and they went into effect immediately. And so therefore, I'm going to ask you to pay attention to those, okay? So we've been asked to wear masks in indoor places, and because it's important that we gather, it's important that we as Christians spend our time together in worship. Gathering matters, and because that's important, I'm going to ask you to pay attention to what's been said. Because our church is located within the city of New Orleans. And here's the thing. Everybody has an opinion. But the way I look at it is God has placed each and every one of us in the spot that he has for a reason. And one of the joys of working through any challenge that you face in life is you can do that in the flesh or you can operate in the spirit. We talked about that last week. And in the spirit, if you look at a greater picture, instead of getting lost in the kingdoms of the world, whether you have this or don't have this, whether you're wearing this or not wearing this, listen, the kingdom of God is what matters the most. Reaching people, gathering together as Christians, being on mission with Jesus is important. Now, as you understand, we as the church are not the police, right? So I want you to understand that as well. We just ask that for the purpose of our gathering, which is our preeminent focus, that you pay attention to what's been said, and I want to encourage you with that. Enough of that, okay? Now let's move to some really great things. First and foremost, uh, I want to say congratulations 
to Noah and Anna Bolin this morning, who have welcomed into the world their wonderful daughter, Laurel Jane. And so they are this morning worshiping from a distance, but yet a great part of this Calvary family, a great part of us moving forward. And so what a treasure, what a blessing to you. We are so thankful for you. And as a Calvary family in the room and online, I know that you will want to express your love for them as members of this staff team and also welcome into the world Laurel Jane. So let's just let them know that we are with them and we're praying for them. So very, very thankful for them. This morning, I want to give you some information. As you look around the campus, even today, perhaps you saw and followed me on a brief tour this week on Facebook. There's a, there's a tour that we did online there, and it kind of showed all of the things that are happening, because perhaps you haven't seen it. Maybe you access from the front, or maybe you come in through your own personal fishing dock, which I always reference that because it makes me feel good. It's like, all right, we're going fishing every time we come to church, right? Fishers of men, it's a biblical sport, check it out. So here's the thing. Every week, something new is happening around camp campus, and it's awesome. And it's neat to see that together, we can move forward by faith. And that's what this is all about, moving forward by faith. But to do so, we also are going to continue to do the things that matter the most. And so last week, I referenced that as a church, we are going all in. We're going all in this fall on continuing to do what matters most to help Christians and those who are searching for God connect in a very personal way. So starting August 15th, two Sundays from now, we're going to make a couple of strategic shifts, even in light of the recent information, because as a church family, as followers of Jesus, we have a commitment to go all in on him above and beyond anything else and therefore one of the things that we've learned that matters the most during a season of not being able to gather not being able to build relationships and community the way that we desire as a church we are going to move an emphasis in our groups for both preschool for their own groups children for their own groups students for their groups and yes for those of you who are adults who choose to gather 9 a.m. starting in two weeks, we are going to launch our group's ministry on campus, and we are going to do so safely, appropriately, but yet we are going to gather because we want to help all of the people of God that want to grow in an understanding of his word, in an understanding of their relationship with him, and in community with one another, we want to help facilitate that even in the midst of some uncertainty in our generation. So we're going to move our groups to 9 a.m., an emphasis for all of our family units, Sunday morning, August 15th, as we go all in on Jesus and all in on our commitment to his church. And we're going to talk about the church in just a minute, his church, you. But also, to facilitate those groups, we're going to make a shift. So I want you to listen very closely. And for those of you online, you'll want to note this as well. We're going to back our worship service up 30 minutes to 1030. So instead of doing it at 10, we're going to begin August 15th at 1030. Why? So that we can accommodate on campus fellowship, 
community, and groups so that we can transition children into their worship time, students from their Bible study into the worship time. And for those of you who want to utilize Sunday mornings for your family or for yourself to grow in community through Bible study and through groups at 9 a.m., we want to allow you sufficient time to accomplish that in your Bible study, in your personal discipleship walk with God and then come into our worship service at 10.30. So we're going to make that shift. And you know what? We were going to make that shift before news came out, before things started changing. Why? Because we move forward by faith. You move forward in life by faith. If you're always limited to the kingdoms of the world, to the news of the world, then you as an individual, and especially as a follower of Jesus, you will stay paralyzed. You will be frozen. But if you place your faith in the Lord, and in, irregardless of all the noise and all the news, and you say, Jesus, I am going to grow in my relationship with you, then that is going to matter to you more than anything else. One of our dear members this week, her mother went on to be with the Lord, and she gave me a verse when we were talking about preparing for that service this upcoming week. And it's a powerful verse. She said, the one thing that stands out to me as my mother has transitioned from this world to heaven, and she knows her mother is in heaven, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ. So to live and to walk with Christ teaches us how to truly live in challenging, chaotic times. And worst case scenario, Christian, son of God, daughter of God, worst case scenario, you get to see Jesus. And you get to leave this crazy mess behind and you get to be present with the Lord. Now, I'm not in a rush to get there, nor are many of you, but I'm telling you, what's the emphasis? Is the emphasis the kingdoms of this world or the kingdom of our Lord Jesus who has saved our soul who will perfect our bodies and who will give us a home forever that is secure, that cannot be taken away, that cannot be destroyed or taken away by anyone else in the world. Jesus has done that. And so as a church, we have this commitment to live for Christ. 9 a.m. Bible study, 1030 worship, two weeks from now, August 15th. Right? You got it? Now this morning, I'm excited as we look to Scripture, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, um, we really did save the best for last. We're going to cover a portion of chapter 6 today, another portion of chapter 6 next Sunday. And Ephesians chapter 6 really is one of these powerful passages that kind of sums everything up that we've walked through throughout the book of Ephesians as Paul tried to teach Christians then and as he tries to help us live in a world today. We're going to go through this passage through 12 verses and then we're going to participate in communion together. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And here's what I'm reminded as we think about moving forward by faith. As we think about, God, what do you have for us next? How do we continue to look forward for what you are doing instead of getting lost in everything else? The noise, the news, our own emotions, our own anxiety, our own stress, our own discouragement or depression or darkness. How do we move beyond those things? 
And Paul gives this great reminder of why things are so challenging in the world today. And it's no different for you as it was for the audience to whom he first wrote this letter. He gives a very clear picture of the challenge and he gives a very clear picture of how to overcome it. And so as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, I want to remind you, continue to move forward by faith. Don't quit. Go all in on the Lord and on his church and watch how you will become victorious in your life against anything that comes against you. Let's back up a couple of verses into chapter 5 before we get to chapter 6. Chapter 5 of Ephesians verse 32 and 33, I want to back up because I want you to catch the context. Last week we set the context of how we deal with relationships, but also today you'll see very specific challenges. How do we deal with those? In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 32, here's how you deal with it. Paul says, the mystery is profound or it's great. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So everything that he talked about previously and everything that he's going to talk about now that we're about to read, he sets the parameters to say, I'm talking about Christ and the church. I'm talking to people who claim the name of Jesus, who belong to his body, which is called the church. And this is what he says as he talks about the relationship that we dove into last week, the home relationship between a husband and wife. Let each one of you, talking to the men, love his wife as himself. And talking to the women, let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. Now, if you missed last week, or you're just tuning in and you're going, okay, um, wow, what does that mean? Well, then you need to go back and listen to last week because I couldn't have said it more clearly. Quite frankly, Paul couldn't have said it more clearly. It makes sense when you frame your relationships in submission to Christ as a member of his body. Your relationships will work the best. We're going to look at that in just a second. But that's the first one he talked about. And then he moves forward. Verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So here, the Apostle Paul has shown how husbands and wives can be successful. He talks about how the family unit with children can be successful. And then he goes into the other relationships. And I, I ask that you listen and read very closely in Scripture because he goes into other dynamics of the world that we struggle with in our generation. I understand that. But yet it was very clear from Paul how Christians would deal with these things in that generation. So he says, bond servants. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will 
as to the Lord and not to people, not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he or she will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours, he is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil at work in the heavenly places. Now in these few verses, you might get lost in one section or you might actually put the whole thing together and understand that as people who are called by the name of Christ, the battles that we fight, quite frankly, the battles that everyone fights, they are not the battles that we see plainly with our eyes. Today I want to talk to you about how you can overcome those battles, particularly in your relationships, but there are other things that challenge us today, and how do you overcome them as well. And the framework is very simple. I call today's sermon, Christ and the Church. The framework is simple. Paul says, this is how it works if you belong to Christ, and you are a part of his church. His church is the body. His church is those who have said yes to the Son of God, Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, who have said, Jesus, would you come into my life, forgive me of my sins, change my heart and my ways as I follow you. And the early disciples were followers of Jesus. Today, those who would be followers of Jesus, you too are disciples. You are a part of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ very clearly in Scripture is the church. The church is not limited by a title. The church is not a sliver of a denomination, one or another, whichever one has the largest size or the most power, the most money. That's not the church. It is a reflection of the church but the church is the children of God saved by Jesus who believe in him and follow him. And therefore, Paul says, and I remind you of our life lesson from last week. If you want your life, if you want your relationships to work, the framework is how do you submit to Christ and how do you belong to his body, the church? Let me give you the life lesson. Again, this is part two of last week because relationships are sometimes our most challenging difficulty in life. How do we deal with relationships? Well, here's the life lesson. Being filled with the Spirit of Christ. We talked very keenly about that last week. Being filled with the Spirit of Christ and walking in subjection to Him is the key to honoring God in our relationships with others. Being filled with the Spirit of Christ, there's a difference between being sealed 
in the Spirit of God. That happens at the moment of your salvation. You are sealed by Jesus the moment that you genuinely, authentically ask him to save you. You become a child of God. But a child will still act like a child, right? Sometimes there are grown-up children that still act like a child. How do you move beyond? How do you grow? You ask the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh each day, and therefore then you learn to mature in your faith and in your walk with God. You're more loving. You're more mature. You look more like Jesus. You act more like Jesus over time as you are filled. And therefore then, as you are filled with the Spirit of Christ and you walk in subjection, submission to the Lord, you then will honor God better in your relationships. Husbands, you'll treat your wives better. Wives, you'll treat your husbands better. And therefore then you begin to see some other relationships of how they work better when people claim the name of Christ and they belong to his church. So today we look at those other relationships that are present. And ultimately, we're going to end with one very simple principle that applies not only to our relationships, but to every other battle that we face. Here's the first thing that stands out to me when I look at this passage, because he, he talks about children, he talks about how to parent, he talks about relationships which are working relationships, and those of us today will understand that. Some of us work for somebody. Others, you own your own business and you work for yourselves. He talks about how you interact with people who may have authority in your life, even if it's a situation that is not something that is pleasant. And I understand that we read everything through a framework today that is, the, that is of the 21st century. Okay, You've got to understand that in Scripture, Paul is going above even 21st century knowledge. He's saying, whoever you are, redeemed and saved by the blood of Christ, if you want your relationships to honor God, then you surrender to Christ first. And by the way, he uses a term that today is a very challenging term to so many, but Paul used it as a compliment. Every letter that he writes in Scripture, he says, Paul, a servant a bondservant, and if you want to use a word that's very difficult for a lot of people today, Paul says, I am a slave of Christ. He sets up the number one preeminent relationship to overcome every challenge in this world by saying, I, Paul, as a Hebrew, as a Jew, as someone who came from a background that, yes, was looked down on even in his culture, he says, I will identify in the one who has set me free. Paul was a murderer, right? Paul was someone who persecuted the church. Paul was someone who had more money and more knowledge than most of his contemporaries. He had power. And yet in the midst of all of that, he even names himself the chief of all sinners. Why do we have such a passionate apostle for the early church because he who has been forgiven much, he will love much. 
And Paul knew that Christ had forgiven him. Christ had set him free from all of the foolishness that he was locked in in this world. And that Christ was preeminent in his life. And he had become a part of the body of Christ, the church. You see, early Christians, all of them, listen very closely, of all different backgrounds, of all different cultures, early Christians understood that their identity was wrapped up in the salvation of knowing Jesus, period. That's what you see. In all of early church history, in all of the writings you see, there were Christians scattered, literally scattered because of persecution. It's why the letter of Ephesus, the letter to the Christians at Ephesus was written. Paul's writing from a prison cell. He's not writing from a palace. He didn't get a million dollars and therefore was writing in luxury and comfort. He's in a prison cell, and yet he's writing the words. Listen very closely. He's in chains physically. He's in bondage physically. He is under the control of the government of that day physically. And yet he's a free man. He's free, he's not afraid, and he's passionate about one thing, the children of God and the church. And he writes about how to accomplish these things as a part of the Christ, of the body of Christ. So how do I, how do you, how do we in a world that's gone crazy honor God in our relationships as Christians? Regardless of where you come from, regardless of where you walk through, if you ever sit down and listen to someone, you will find that most people have a story. And it's difficult, and it's challenging, and it's hard. And if we get lost in what's difficult and challenging and hard, and we miss Jesus, then our identity is going to hold us back from being the kind of people that God has called his children to be. How do we do that? Number one, I have to learn to view life through the lens of Christ's love for the church, which is you. If I want to move forward in my relationships with all people, particularly the household of faith, I have to learn to view my life through the lens of Christ's love for the church, which is you. You are the church. If you have been saved by Jesus and you know that you personally have asked God to save you, not as a ritual, not as a religious act, but a moment in time where genuinely your heart was broken before God because you knew your sins, your brokenness, your humanity separated you from a wonderful, loving God. And that brokenness turned in your heart to repentance. And you said, God, I need you to save me. I need this. I need Jesus. When that happened for you, you received the love of God and the salvation of your soul. God sent Jesus because he loves us. He didn't send Jesus just to fix a problem. Most of us just want to fix a problem. We want some security that God's there for us in crisis. We want some security that we have fire insurance so that we won't burn forever in a place designed for those who don't love God. We want some type of security to fix that problem. 
God didn't just come to fix our problems. God sent Jesus because he loves us. And if he loved us enough to save our souls, then the way that we change in our relationships and dealings with one another is through love. And love is learning to listen. Love is learning to show love to someone else. Love is learning how to grow up in our understanding of Christ and his word. We view life through the lens of Christ's love for the church, which is you. You are the church. And as he talks about all that he's referring to, Christ and the church, what's the framework that he gives for the relationship between husbands and wives? Children toward their parents. Those who work together, what's the framework that he gives? The way it works the best is when you love Christ and you love the church, then guess what else comes out of you? If I love Jesus, and I love Jesus the way that I should love Jesus because he saved me, then I'm going to love the people that God has placed in my life. I'm going to love my wife. You're going to love your husband. You're going to love your children. You're going to love children. You're going to love your parents. And you're going to learn to love the people in your life that God has placed, even in your working relationships. Whether you're working for someone or you have the responsibility to oversee others, you're going to learn to do it as a reflection of your love for God. People who love God treat people better, period. People who love Jesus learn how to treat people the right way. Why? Because they understand that Jesus loves them. Jesus saved them. Jesus forgave their foolishness, their ridiculousness, their brokenness, the moments where they missed the mark. Jesus showed them grace. And therefore, when you've been redeemed, forgiven as a sinner, you're able to learn to show love toward the other people around you. That is the reflection of a Christian. And it all is set up by Paul saying, listen, I am a bondservant of Jesus. Therefore, I can do no other. As I submit to Christ, I am also therefore then going to show the love that Christ has shown to me to others in my relationships that God has given me in this life. Honoring God in our relationships means that we look at our life through the lens of Christ's love for us, the church. You are the church. And as the church, that means for those of you who are adults, who are married, yes, you show the love of Christ in your household. Children, you show the love of Christ toward your parents. Parents, you show the love of Christ toward your children. Grandparents, you show the love of Christ toward your grandparents and all working relationships. Thank God you have a job if you have a job. Thank God you have people that come to work if you have people that come to work. Thank God for the opportunities that God has provided for you to do something that matters. Do you realize that your jobs, your work, working relationships, they matter? And if we get lost in the world's agendas as Christians, now listen, if you're not a Christian, you are lost in the world's agenda. But I'm offering you the scriptural correction that says... As a follower of Jesus, loved by Jesus, changed by Jesus, and a member of the church, 
Don't follow the patterns of the world. You belong to something better, something higher. You have been loved greater than the love of humanity. God has shown you his love, and therefore, as a recipient of the grace and the mercy and the love of God, you then show that to others. View life through the lens of Christ's love for the church, remembering I am, you are, we are the body of Christ, the church. Number two. Paul, as he talks about children, parents, spouses, servants, masters, working relationships, he says, do the will of God from your heart because God rewards those who do. Do the will of God from your heart because God will reward those who do. Do you believe that there's a reward for you in your relationships? I mean, think about it. In the working relationships that you have, are you merely only working for a paycheck or for a retirement that you may not get to? If so, you're missing out on one of the greatest purposes of life that God could give to his family, to his children. And that is, whatever it is you do, whether working for someone or overseeing others, whatever it is you do, God has given you a great purpose in your work. We talked about that Wednesday nights throughout this summer. And there's a great purpose in what you do because that is the moment, the vehicle, the opportunity that God has given you to not only work, but to receive a reward for all that you're doing and especially a spiritual reward. Now, I don't want to jinx a particular relationship that I'm working on right now, but there are some extracurricular activities that I have, and one of them is I do go to the gym. And there's an individual that a couple of weeks ago, um, he asked me a question, and uh, don't be offended if you're watching today, but I'll use this as an analogy so that you'll understand how I view life. The reality is, he said, can I ask you a question? Are you a Baptist? <laughs> and I asked him very quickly in this culture, I said, now hold on, time out. Before we go any further, I want to know, why do you frame it like that? Because there's all kinds of Baptists, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that when you ask me what kind of Baptist am I a Baptist, are you, I'm pretty sure there's an angle in why you're asking me that. I've learned to pay attention to what people say or what's out there in the world or what's in the news. And he said, oh, no. He's like, I was just curious that in the next stage of my life, what I needed to do to kind of explore some spiritual options to move ahead. Bingo. You see, what happened in that moment is that my consistency of relationship and my working out and this person that is present, it's opened a door through an extracurricular opportunity for me to now move beyond religion or a title of religion or a name of a particular part of the body of Christ to now move into the next level, should this individual truly want to go there, of what it means to have a soul-saving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. See, how does that happen? Number one, while I may be throwing heavy stuff around, 
I'm approaching that even with the love of God in my heart because there's a greater purpose. And it's not just to take care of the temple that God has given to me. Likewise, the temple of the Lord, your body that he's given to you, there's a greater purpose. And the purpose is the love of God that is present in my life through Jesus that I exhibit easily to those around me, those of you in the church. It is the same love of God that has to influence what I do when I'm not in the four walls of the church. It has to impact the purpose of the work or the extracurricular that I have so that I may lead someone else to the Lord. And when I do the will of God from my heart, God has a way of opening up doors that I could not open myself. He has a way of rewarding my work in a way that is way more than just physical or monetary or long-term or influence. What God does is he uses what you have when you do it with all of your heart to bring you a greater reward than just what's in front of you. And he talks about that in these working relationships because the reality is in a home, if children honor their parents, guess what they receive in return? Honor. If children will honor their mothers and their fathers, not only do they receive honor, but God says, children, you have a promise. You will live long on the earth. A child that is disrespectful, dishonorable to their home, well, that's a great challenge, and that stresses everyone out. Likewise, in your working relationships, if you dishonor those who have been given the authority over you, well, do not expect to work for them very long. But if you show honor to those who have the hard job of leading, especially during hard times, and yet they show you respect and honor in return, and you honor them as you are honoring the Lord, well, then guess what you receive? You receive something back from the Lord. If you are honorable as a follower of Jesus, it stands out. Eventually, someone will notice. And usually when they notice your character, your drive, because you want to pre please the Lord from the heart, they usually will give you some type of benefit for that because it comes from within. You're not brown-nosing. You're not eye-pleasing. You are doing it from your heart because you're doing it for the Lord, not for them. And it shows. And there are rewards that follow. But there are also spiritual rewards that follow. Rewards of being able to say to a coworker, can I pray with you through this crisis that you're going through? I mean, honestly, I don't know too many people, even many of you, who are still searching, still asking, and perhaps saying, well, I don't believe in God. But when you go through a crisis, here's what I found. You want somebody to love you for who you are and pray you through that moment. That is a spiritual reward. And those doors, those doors open when I am not just giving eye service or not just showing up and punching a clock and punching out. When I am who I am as a child of God saved by Jesus. Remember that? When we know who we are, it affects what we do. And by being a child of God, we do our best in all of our relationships and our opportunities that God has given to us. Do the will of God from your heart. Why? Because God rewards those who do. Now, the third and final thing today, I think, is the key to all of it. We finish only a section of it today, and then next week we'll go into detail. So I'm excited about sharing the final part of Ephesians with you next week. But the final part that Paul shares that really helps you and I understand 
the framework of all of it. Christ and the church and every relational and physical battle that we face. Every challenge, every division, every bit of hatred, anger, every bit of bias and bigotry. Everything that everybody faces, feels, fights over in our generation. And let's be very clear. They've been facing, feeling, and fighting over these for all generations. Why do they happen? Well, Paul helps us see beyond the norm and see beyond what we only see with our eyes. And he says, your battle is not against flesh and blood. The third and final thing is the struggle that we face, and it is a struggle. But that struggle that we face in our relationships and in our lives is not. And I repeat and say very clearly, the struggle is not against flesh and blood. But we need to learn, therefore, then to choose the victor. And the victor is Christ, Christ and the church, the struggle, the battle, the feelings, the emotions, the things that we go through. We would be foolish if we thought it was only about us or the people around us that we dislike or that we disagree with or that we have an opinion about or a feeling about. To fall into that game is to fall into the easiest trap that the devil could use. To limit you as a child of God into your flesh, your feelings, your emotions, your thought, even your limited knowledge. To fall into a game that the devil played with Adam and Eve and has been playing ever since. And to be a victim of that game is unnecessary. And the Apostle Paul says very clearly, Christian, who is a part of the church, son of God, daughter of God child of God, the battles that you are facing, they are not flesh and blood. Therefore, if you want to overcome and be victorious in the battles that you're facing, relational is one category, but you can look today and say those relational battles have shown up in the last 18 months of life in a lot of ways and beyond and throughout history. But there are also other battles that are being fought today. Battles where people are against people in, the own, in their own household or against people in their own church. All of these battles have been designed by an enemy whose number one goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he can dress it up the best of anyone. He can make it look good. Put your favorite temptation on the line and it looks and it feels and it sounds and it reasons out really well. And behind that is a deceiver, a devil, and all of his minions and all of his forces that are stacked against everyone, everyone, even those who would say he doesn't exist. Oh, that's foolishness. Guess what? He's got you now. He's got you because now you don't even think he's real or he's working against you. There is a whole entire spiritual battle that is going on all the time. And listen, it's not just now in our generation. It was happening when things seemed good and seemed fine in your life. 
It was happening before that. There's always a battle that occurs. The struggle that you face in your relationships is not against flesh and blood. So husbands, when you go on a tangent against all the things that your spouse, your wife is not, Wives, when you go and you begin on this tangent of all the things that he's not, somewhere in the midst of that argument, the devil is at work. Now, I'm not justifying any spouse that treats um, his wife wrong because that's not the way it should be. You love your spouse as Christ loves the church. I'm not justifying any wife that would go rebellious against her husband because, again, Somewhere in the midst of that, the devil is at work to create that division, and the Bible is very clear. You serve your husband in the way that Jesus, you would be serving Jesus. It's very clear. Children, I realize you think mom and dad are dumb, <laughs> that we don't know anything. We're old. I get that. I know that you think grandma and grandpa, they're just talking and they're just speaking hot air. Let me just be very clear with you. We've walked this path and we know things. It, you would do well to understand that when the Bible says honor your father and mother, it's because your father and mother have probably been there and they don't want you to go where we've been. They want you to get better. But somewhere in the midst of the DNA of the teenager and the child, the devil is at work to steal them away from their best life and their brightest future so they go into doing things their own way and they slack off and they get disrespectful and then they go experimenting and then the devil's got them, right? In your work relationships, in your racial relationships, in your church relationships, in all of those things, when you find division, bigotry, anger, hatred, when you find things that elevate the ways of man instead of the ways of God, guess who's behind that? The man. And you know who the man is? The devil himself. And he's been playing that game for a long time. Do not, as a child of God, play his game. Don't play his game. Life is hard enough for every one of you as a Christian. Don't make it any harder on yourself or anyone else by not honoring Jesus first and honoring Jesus in your relationships with others. Now listen, I'm going to be real. That's not a very popular message in today's world. And you can write this down. I don't care. Because we are called sons and daughters of God because of Jesus. He saved a wretch like me and a bunch of wretches like you. <laughs> and we did not deserve it. We don't deserve it. But if God was so gracious and merciful and loving to send his son Jesus to not only save us and go beyond fixing a problem, but to help us become the sons and daughters and the body of Christ, the church, then guess what? In the same saving way that he's rescued me, I have to, I must, as a bond servant of Jesus, respond to my fellow brothers and sisters in the way that Jesus would respond to me. And every sneaky, 
deceitful, scheming way that is looking to get an advantage or an angle that is of the devil. Call a spade a spade. Call it out. Recognize what it is. The battle is not against flesh and blood. It doesn't matter what flesh. It doesn't matter what blood. The battle is not against flesh and blood. And if I want to be victorious in this world, in my relationships and in the battles that I face, whatever battle they may be, then I have to recognize I am on the side of the victor. I am on the side of Jesus. And if I'm on the side of Jesus, then I have to choose the pathway that reflects him the most. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against those rulers, authorities, powers of this present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in all places. Christian, child of God, son of God, daughter of God, family of God. How do you win that battle? Being filled with the Holy Spirit, surrendering and submission to Jesus, and therefore then... I can honor God in my walk and in my relationships with others, especially, especially those in the church. You are my brothers, you are my sisters, and we are family because of Jesus. And I can't think of a better way to seal that today than by participating together in one of the most unifying things that Jesus would do with the church with his followers, and that is participating in the Lord's Supper, a reminder of his body and his blood that saved us. Can I pray with us for just a moment? And as we bow our heads, and as we close our eyes, and as you as an online family, perhaps right now, gather what is necessary so that you can participate in communion as well, right where you are, reaching for some juice, maybe something that you can use genuinely from your heart as a reflection of the body of Christ. As we do that, let's prepare our hearts right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, preparing the heart, recognizing what Jesus did to save you and letting go of anything that perhaps the devil is using to hold you back. Let's take a moment to cleanse our hearts. As we're praying, perhaps today, even in this moment, there's some unconfessed sin in your life. Something that is an attitude, maybe. Maybe it's an action. Maybe it's something that you struggle with on a daily basis. Friend, brother, sister, family of God. Lay that freely right now down at the feet of Jesus. And as you and your heart are laying before him, whatever sin or whatever struggle it may be, I want you to hear Jesus say to you, I love you, my child. You are forgiven. As your hearts are now being prepared to receive and participate in communion maybe there's an attitude against someone else in the family 
Maybe it's a relationship that is not where it needs to be. Maybe again, that comes from an attitude or something that you've just been taught or carried with you your life. I want to give you a second as a child of God to lay that down at the feet of Jesus. There's nothing more freeing than letting Jesus wash over your heart and repair your relationships with others. Father, by the Holy Spirit today and for the church, Christ, you died to save the church. You died to strengthen and to change the church. You died to give us victory in the church, which is the body of Christ, the saved children of God today. So with that, we in our hearts, we want to join with you in communion to say that we are one with you, Jesus, the Son of God. Father in heaven, we say thank you. And may this be a spirit-filled moment for each of us right now. As you came in today, you received a cup. Let me get you to go on and take that cup. And with that cup, you just lift the first tab on that cup to expose the bread. When I think of the battles that I fight, when I think of the battles that the world fights, whether those, relation, whether those are relationship challenges or physical challenges or mental challenges, and I think about those battles being spiritual, how do you beat a spiritual battle? How do you beat a spiritual enemy with a spiritual savior? <laughs> With a Savior who, in His body, took on every beating, every bit of brokenness, every insult, every ridicule, every bit of hostility in His flesh. He took that in His flesh. And what did He do? He remained silent. And He went to the cross. He took all of the agony of sin on the cross so that the devil could not win over you. Isn't that good? He took all of that in his body. And listen, he even said, Father, if it's possible, let there be some other way. There was no other way. So in his body, he took all of the brokenness so that you could win, so that your soul could be saved and so that you could overcome in this world. So right now, as you hold the bread and the reminder of the body of Christ, know that Jesus gave his all, not only to make you his son or his daughter, a part of his family, but he gave his all so that you could overcome spiritual battles, all battles, by being his child. So in remembrance of what Jesus has done in his body, Take and eat.
the second part of communion involves the cup. And Jesus took the cup with his followers, with his church, with the disciples in his generation. And ever since, Christians have been participating by taking the cup. As you expose the cup, in it you will see what is representative of the blood of Christ. And this is what Jesus said to his church. He said, I will make a new covenant in my blood. I will forgive the sins of many because the shedding of my blood. Jesus solved the most basic problem within us. He solved the forgiveness of our sins and he solved our standing with God by shedding his blood. He cleansed us. He healed us by his blood. And if that is true for you as a Christian today, cleansed, healed in the eyes of God, forgiven, then likewise, it should affect how we approach our relationships and every other battle. We call on the name of a savior who gave his all to rescue us. We do that for salvation and we continue to do that every day. It is the blood of Jesus that seals your place in the family of God. And as he shed that for us on Calvary, he gave us life forever, but yes, even now. So in remembrance of what it means to be a son, a daughter, a child of God by Jesus, take and drink all of it. Jesus changes everything for those who follow him, who are called his sons and his daughters, and his word helps us grow. It's why here at Calvary, we're going all in this fall and helping everyone walk through the Bible together. It's why we as Calvary, we emphasize being a family of faith on mission with Jesus to change our world. It's why we at Calvary continue to give of our time and our talent and yes, even our financial treasures, not just to take care of a facility, but because we are the church. We are the church. We are the people of God on mission with God to share the love of God with our world. So even as you give of your resources today, whether you do so online or you do so when you give, by being involved in the church, going all in on the people of God, growing in your relationship with God and with those who love God, you will become a victorious Christian against the schemes of the devil, against the work of the one who is against us in spiritual places. Our battle is not against one another. It's not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against him. And by the blood, we will stand. By the blood, we will overcome. By the body, we will be his family and his children. And by him, you will shine. And you will be the kind of people that show the love of Christ in your world. Will you stand with me as we continue today worshiping in anthems and in celebration for all that we've done, all that we've heard, and all that Jesus means to us.